You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. I have Dr. Sam Rogers. He's the medical director for MediCheck's website is M-E-D-I-C-H-E-C-K-S, plural, MediCheck.com. So, uh, Dr. Rogers, a.k.a. Sam, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Oh, you're welcome, Richard. Thanks very much for having me on the podcast. Yeah, so tell me the premise of uh, MediCheck's. So MediCheck's um, is a, it's a direct consumer blood testing company with... We've been going for 17 years in the UK, so we're the longest established and, and the largest wow. as well. Um, and we essentially give consumers the chance to uh, to order a blood test to, to answer a, a health question that they might be worried about for that kit to arrive at their home. Um, they've got the option of, of taking the sample at home with a, either a finger prick sample or doing a, a venous blood test, so like a, a standard blood test you'd have at the doctor's um at one of hundreds of high street locations um that we have um through through our partner clinics and then they get the results online with a, a doctor's report at the end of it that's that's kind of the the essence of the the service well it's surprising that you guys do this in the uk because with the national health service i i you know again it's my assumption but i would think that most people just rely on the uh the government health care and don't do their own uh testing or don't you know want to do their own testing so there's, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, the, the majority are still doing that. The, I mean, the NHS is a, is an interesting one. So it's, it's free at the point of care, which is great. Um, and it, it, it does amazing things. The, the problem with the NHS is the, the waiting times currently are quite long. See a doctor, I, I work as a, a GP, so a family doctor in South London. Um, and, and for me, it's about a three week wait to, to see me. Um, How long was it? Three weeks, potentially. So two, okay. a, a two to three week wait is, is not unusual just to see your family doctor. So for, for people who, who are worried about symptoms, the, the service we offer is a great opportunity um, to get some answers before you see your doctor. So you can go with a, with a clearer idea about, about what the issues may be. If, we, if I rewind 10 years of my career, uh, people would come into me saying, doctor, I've, I've been Googling. I'm really worried that I've, I've got this particular condition. I would do a blood test. I would bring them back two to three weeks later and go through the results with them. And, and for, for people with health concerns, our, our service is a chance to go with, with some of those answers already prepared for the doctor. Um, and it's, it's not just so it's not just a disease focused service. We, we're also very interested in helping people um, optimize themselves. And that, that comes in in various forms. We've got a lot of athletes who use us who are looking for the kind of in, incremental gains they'll get from um from supplementing, say, iron or vitamin D for their performance yeah. um, through uh, to people who, who just kind of want to feel 
great in their daily life, you know, sort of full of energy and, and, and positive about life through, through uncovering um, sort of minor abnormalities that, that they can correct. Gotcha. Well, I mean, um, do, does a doctor have to say, okay, you're allowed to get these tests? Because in the U.S., you know, I've, personally, I've seen a lot of doctors are like, oh, you don't need that. Oh, why would you want to test that? And they <laughs> just won't do it. They won't send the lab, you know, slip in. It's not just for me, but from friends and all that, uh, other people I know. So does, that, do that's... these require a doctor's blessing or no? Uh, it doesn't, no. So they, you, you don't require that to perform a blood test in the UK. Um so that's interesting. In the, so I, I'm intrigued there. In the States, um, you, e, e, this is when you're self-paying. A, a doctor might say you, you don't need that and they won't put in the request. No, I mean, on, on insurance, for sure. You know, then uh-huh. they've gotta, you know, the insurance may say, no, we don't, you know, it's not yeah. necessary. But even self-pay, yeah. They're like, oh, no, you don't need that. Why would you want to do that for? Oh, we don't test for that, you know. So that's you an interesting to, one, uh, isn't it? Because like, people, people might be curious about a, a, a particular marker. And there, there are um a variety of re- i mean it's, it's not just testing your own blood it's not just about uncovering disease um people people may be genuinely curious about particular markers and we we, we give those people with with that curiosity an option to do that um here it sounds simple it sounds logical but you know unfortunately that's what goes on and then yeah. the uh, you know i don't know if you can even address this but you know then when different labs have different ranges for different things. So, um, you know, a lot of times doctors, he'll be like, oh, you're in range. And the person yeah. may feel awful. And they feel like they're having all these symptoms. But the doctor says, well, you're in range. So you're fine. So, you know, treat, so treat, I, treat, I don't know if you get into that, but, you know. So we, we try not to. Um, I mean, it's, you know, you, you, you can treat the numbers or you can treat the person or you, or you can do a combination of both. Um, so, I mean, the question about reference ranges differing between laboratories is, is an interesting one. Um, it, as long as you interpret the result relative to its its range, you, you can kind of compare between laboratories. And we, we do a, a couple of things on our platform that allow people um, to, to have results from different laboratories and be able to compare them. In terms of um, deciding what's an optimal position within range versus a simple normal or abnormal, i.e. being in or out of range. Um, we are we, we do kind of scan the scientific literature and we're, we're looking to uh, to give people guidance where even if their result is normal, it might be sitting below a level um, where where it could start to cause symptoms. And one example of that, so we, we have a lot of elite athletes. We've got a couple of um, pro cycling teams who, who use us. Um, and for taking the example of iron, if you've got a level below about 75 for, for ferritin, which is still within the normal range, you will find athletic performance can start to drop off. So we would be advising those athletes to try and try and keep their ferritin above the level of 75 um, for optimal right. performance. And um, similarly for, for thyroid, and actually that, that was an example I wanted to bring up in the UK, um, the, the the number of blood tests that, that thyroid patients um, are able to access on the NHS is is pretty limited for routine care. Clinically, it, it, you you don't need to do more than those markers, but many of those people with thyroid conditions are curious about those levels, um, and there are, there's certainly a subgroup where where checking um, more than just the standard TSH and T4 can be can be useful. Um, when you look at the the treatment targets. That are suggested. So there's a tendency um, with, thyroid, with with an underactive thyroid, you give levothyroxine, and um, some doctors will keep the TSH 
within the normal range, but not consider the position of the, the TSH level within that range. And people can still feel pretty awful um, in some cases. And if you if you aim for the, the, the lower um, half of the normal range, then some studies will show that that people feel better if you do that. So yeah, we 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 try to avoid the trap of of just um, looking at the reference range and saying, well, you're normal. Uh, we we try to look at the individual as well and and listen to the symptoms that they're uh, they're describing. So do you have a subscription plan where let's say someone wants to do a full panel, you know, eight tubes of blood, a hundred something markers, and every six months look at it? So we we. Like uh, we don't currently. So, so we do get people who use us repeatedly. We are looking at the options for a subscription package, and some of our competitors are are going down that route. Um, the frequency of testing. So, I I think some services that that operate probably suggest testing a little bit too frequently. Um, I think from a from a from a customer perspective, if you're testing every three months, there's a a danger that first of all you end up with very sore fingers from, from testing repeatedly and um, but also you don't see much change over a three-month cycle unless you're actually trying to correct something so for us currently um it's uh, a very much a, a sort of pay-as-you-go purchase-as-you-need kind of service um but we are looking at the options for subscriptions yeah well, what if someone wants uh, one marker out of a whole panel and if they don't do the whole panel they may be missing or misdiagnosing or freaking out about something that maybe shouldn't be freaked out about, you know? Yeah. So that that's something we want to avoid. And and we are we're working through it. So our most popular panels, um, the the we've got sort of two broad groups. So we've got groups of tests that have been designed by us for consumers to use. And in those panels, we um we try to assemble all of the markers that are needed to to form the complete picture of what's going on. And going going back to iron. Um, in the in the past, we had checked uh, some iron markers in isolation, and nowadays we try to check all of the relevant iron markers plus the inflammatory markers when there's inflammation in the body. Um, ferritin, in particular, can be increased by that artificially, giving a, a sort of false picture of a, an elevated iron. So we, with, with those tests, we do try to to provide the complete package so that people aren't left. Um, with, with sort of incorrect conclusions that they're drawing from it. And, and so that our doctors have got everything they need to interpret those results. Yeah, there one are, thing I, mean, I found helpful is, is uh, you know, I get my blood work done every six months and I put it all into like Excel. Yeah, uh-huh. I get the lab reports, but they're they're just sitting there in isolation. So I graphed yeah. it in Excel and you can see trends and all that. And uh, it seems to be more okay. helpful that way. That's why I asked you if you have a subscription package for people. Yeah, so we so we do so in terms of tracking, we 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 offer that. We've got um, we've got some great trend graphs that people can use, and every marker that people test on our dashboard is presented both with the doctor's comments, but also with background information about that marker, what high levels mean, what low levels can mean, what people can do to improve them. Um, so we we're, we're really keen that that people are able um, to track their levels. Um, certainly, it's you know we 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 don't see using MediChecks as a, a a one-time event. We we kind of want people to get the benefits that come from from long-term tracking. So, what kind of comments do you give? What are some examples of things that uh, the doctor on staff comments on? So we're I mean we what we're not we're not a um, a service that offers diagnosis and management of long-term disease. So if, uh, we it's it's not the right forum to deliver that. So if we 
encounter signs that that suggest illness, we will be directing people back to their doctors. But we're we're really interested in um, the lifestyle measures that people can take to improve um, to improve risk factors. So if we can see someone is is drifting towards prediabetes or diabetes, then we'll be giving them advice on on how to avoid um, that happening. So you you know you can watch the HbA1c blood test, and if you can see that that is is sort of heading inevitably towards diabetic territory, you can help people to to turn it around before they get there. Um, if we if we see that someone is low in vitamin D, which is is really common in the UK, uh, uh, lovely weather is is to blame for that. Mm. We don't get much sun, um, and there's, we don't eat much fish either. So oily fish is the only other decent source of um, of vitamin D. Um, so in that case, we'll be advising people about the sources of vitamin D. We, we like to take into account people's dietary habits. Um, I don't know how it is in the States. There's a lot of people in the UK now going vegetarian and vegan. So with our advice, we'll try to, to tailor it to their needs. Um, vitamin D sources, yeah, mushrooms aren't a bad source. So that's an example of um, some vitamin D advice we, we might give to a vegan. Um, and you can get vegan supplements now for, for vitamin D as well. Um, so we, 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 we tend to, we signpost people to their doctors appropriately where we, we see lifestyle factors. And it might be, so we might see things that come up on the results or we might see lifestyle factors in the, the, the questionnaires that, that people complete prior to having their test. We will try to guide people towards a, a sort of healthier, happier life by, by correcting those issues. What about uh, people that are taking medications that may deplete certain uh, levels like if you take metformin legend has it you know you're going to watch your b12 and supplement with it that's right so do you yeah. do you have any programs where if someone's on medication you'll tell them hey you might want to check these levels so, to make sure it's not you know killing them currently currently we rely on um on our doctors to spot that so we, we collect medication history as, as part of the test process um and our, our doctors are presented with all that information as they're interpreting we are in the early stages of exploring how we can use AI um, to augment that. I, I, I sort of hesitate to say AI will, will ever replace doctors, but I, I think it can, can certainly augment their, their diagnostic skills. Um, certainly, I, 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 in my general practice, I get 10 minutes with, with each patient, and I would love to have a, a little robotic friend sat on my shoulder sort of saying, hey, did you spot the metformin and the low B12 or whatever it may be? Um, so yeah, in t- the, going back to your original question, with the medication, we rely on um, the doctors identifying the the fact that they're taking medication and the the linkage with the the changes we see on the results. Um, we are looking at ways of augmenting that currently. Well, it seems like you could partner with pharmacists, and they mm. they have a database where they cross check for you know interactions between medications. But you know this this to me, and I'm just speculating. This sounds like a good accompaniment to anyone taking medication or medications mm. you know a lot of people either they have symptoms or they don't but they may not know that levels are changing because of medications or medical interactions this seems to be like a good uh you know checkup system where you're also think- looking at this maybe you know, having pharmacists look and say hey we should watch these levels and then making recommendations to people somehow or Saying, hey, yeah. ask your doctor about X, Y, Z. So there's, I mean, that, that's one of my pet projects is is looking at whether it's it's actually my my particular interest is is in people who are taking taking quite dangerous medications, so things like immunosuppressant medications, and often they need really frequent monitoring. 
which can be pretty tiring if you're trying to hold a full-time job down and you've got to go to the hospital every couple of weeks. So whether we could be helping those individuals um, to, to, to monitor their therapy, um, that's something we'd obviously want to do in partnership um, with the doctor who's providing them their care. But we, we'd certainly provide a, a much more convenient way of, of monitoring potentially hazardous medications. Yeah, yeah just an idea. But it sounds like you had the same idea, so that's great. Um, no, okay. Sorry. What's your overarching goal with this? You know, you've been doing it for a long time. What got you into it, and why do you keep doing it today? What do you get out of it? <laughs> so I'm, not you know not uh, money, but personally, why do you do it? Why do I do it? Um, okay, so if we go back to I, th- I think probably the first week after I qualified as a doctor, and th- this was it was around about the year two thousand. So um, you know we we sort of early days of, of electronic health records, but the hospital I, I qualified into was trialing one of the very early systems from Cerner at the time, which held so much potential. I looked at this thing and thought, God, this, this could be amazing. And yet I was still every day on the ward round, frantically scribbling in paper notes and, you know, just recording reams and reams of information, which, which a computer would do an amazing job of filtering, searching, recalling, giving me the intelligence from it. And yet it was all locked away on paper notes. Um, and I, I, I sort of looked at these, these inefficiencies that we had and, and thought that there has to be a better way of doing it. So I've, I've always, I've always had a, had my finger in a health informatics pie some, somewhere along the line, be it trying to share records. So I've got a background um, prior to an, a national summary care record at a local level of, of trying to share data between um, general practice and hospitals. Um, and then I, so in terms of MediCheck's, I, I just finished a, a very, busy NHS job um, and I was working as a, a freelance locum doctor at the time and the agency I was working for said hey there's, there's these guys do online blood testing and I, I had the same reaction which which many people have when they hear about what we do which is oh I, I didn't know you could do that um, and my, my yeah. interest was peaked and um, I started working for them initially just as a reporting doctor really like the company culture I like the team I like the ethos. So, you know, we're really we're really about empowering people to take ownership over their health data. I don't know how it is. I mean, it sounds like in the States, you, you're probably ahead of us. If you're if you're used to the idea that you collect your result data and you, you put it in a spreadsheet, that that was still quite a rare activity here. Um, and there was this idea. I, that you um, I mean, it's, it's worldwide, but there's biohackers, you know, and there's people. It mm. depends what you're interested in, but there's biohackers that track everything. I mean, like yeah. Fitbit, for instance, is a small manifestation of that, or Aura Ring, but this is just yet another way to track what's going on with you. And yeah. you know, like you mentioned for athletes, if I'm an athlete, I'd mm-hmm. like to subscribe to your program where I know that you're going to check all the levels necessary to keep my athletic performance at peak, and I'm yeah. going to do it every so often. So I'm going to make sure that I'm supplementing properly or doing what I can properly to make sure I'm successful at what I do, you know, or mm. if I'm managing a a chronic condition, again, you could have a program where you say, well, looks like science says you, mon- you monitor these eight parameters and they're important with cancer. And we're going to do the tests every few months to make sure like you're keeping these levels right. And that'll mm-hmm. give you the best chance of, or better chance of fighting it. You know, and it seems like there's only silos in which you could, uh, you could help people. There are. And that, that's something that, that was, that struck me quite strongly about the, the business when I first started working for them is we, you know, we have, several very distinct groups who use this. We've got 
Um, people who haven't got anything wrong with them, but maybe they, they just want like an annual health check or every six months they want to check in on things, nudge things back into line where they're starting to slide. Um, we've got a, a lot of people with, with underactive thyroid um, conditions who, who will use us either to sense check their, their NHS blood tests. Um, in some cases, people are quite um, frustrated by NHS care. So they, they're actually, some, some people will actually self-manage. We are trying to direct them back to their doctor where, where we become aware of that. Um, we've got the, the athletes that I've mentioned, um, a lot of weightlifters use us. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty diverse range of people who are are using us for for different reasons, and that, I mean that's quite challenging to a doctor. I, I train the doctors up before they start reporting for us because you're you're sort of leaping between groups with very distinct reporting needs, um, and that it's it's another area where we want to use technology to augment the doctors is in understanding people's motivation for testing. So, you know, what, what kind of report do they want at the end of the day? Um, and in, in terms of suggesting to the doctors ways in which they could tailor that report to, to better meet that person's needs. Currently, we do it in a, it's, it's a sort of halfway house where we've got some software um, that, that expands text snippets so that um, according to whether someone's wanting a, a sports blood test or a a regular health blood test, the doctors um, can can pull up guidance for those people that's appropriate to the reason they're testing. Um, but we'd we'd like it to the the doctors to be able to focus on their writing and tailoring it, tailoring that report to the individual more than simply commenting on the result. Yeah, I mean, I did see you working with NHS doctors. You know, if it takes weeks to get in, what mm. probably people should do is is you know, if you were a partner with NHS and let's say someone's going in with a possible uh, thyroid problem mm. before they get to the NHS, NHS doctor, they should go see you and you do yeah. the whole battery of thyroid tests. So when the NHS doctor sees them, they're ready. They don't have to see uh, them and say, oh, well, let's go test this. And then another three weeks go by until they come back <laughs> and then better to reverse it and speed this I stuff would... up. I would love that in my my NHS practice. I mean, I I do. Someone will have waited three three weeks to see me. I I give them a form for some blood tests. I know it's going to be another three weeks until I can I can act on those potentially. You know, if, if there's nothing urgent on there, but they they need something to help them. And that's a, a heck of a long time to wait if you're if you're feeling unwell six weeks of you know really right. feeling under par. So um, yeah, I, I that that's kind of my dream is is we could we could um, augment what happens on the NHS. It's a difficult one here in the UK because it is, I mean, there is quite a clear distinction between um, between the NHS and between private healthcare. So you, you kind of either, either it's something that has to exist wholeheartedly within the NHS or it has to sit sit outside it. Um, right. So yeah, I don't, I'd, I'd love to pilot an idea like that somewhere. Well, how do doctors perceive you? NHS and non-NHS, you know, private care doctors, do they so, see you as a nuisance? Or do they welcome you? Like, what kind of reactions have you gotten? You, you've just described the two major reactions we get. It's pretty evenly split. Um, so people, I mean, you know, if, if you're the kind of doctor who is who, who is into the idea um, that it's okay for people to take ownership over over parts of their healthcare, then um, and, and you know, you can recognise that that we sell tests in a responsible way and interpret them in a responsible way as well. Then then we're not scary and we're not annoying. 
Um, but there are, you know, they, we, we do get the other reaction as well, which is um, why, why are you providing these people with tests? Surely you're just overloading the NHS. Um, having said that, I have only ever had, um, I think, two complaints from doctors in all my time at MediChecks, which I think is testament to um, to the, the, the good job that we do on the, um, the reports that we provide to people. So, yeah, you a mixture. Private pay versus NHS people are a different species. You know, like I would think private pay are much more willing to pay for these lab tests, and NHS people say, "Well, why doesn't NHS cover them? And so, why do I, I have mean, to do this stuff?" I would think. So, so I don't know. In terms of the doctors or or our customers, no, the, the patients themselves, the people themselves. So, I mean, everyone using it will have will have made a decision to to source private blood tests. And the, the interesting thing about healthcare right. in the UK is ev everyone, almost everyone, uh, has a touch point with with the NHS on a sort of reasonably regular basis. Um, partly because, I mean, if you if you're going to go to see a consultant and you're you're going to use private care, you will still need a letter from your um, NHS GP if you're claiming that on insurance. So um, it's yeah. Do they are they different? I don't know that they are particularly. I mean, for one thing, I'm I'm not aware of, of you know whether people are going on to use exclusively private care or whether they're using NHS. So, so maybe I just don't notice it. We we treat everyone, um, you know, we, with the same level of respect and um, and they put in the same amount of effort into interpretation. Yeah, it's not a lack of respect, but if you started asking the question of all your people that do the blood tests, oh, are you on NHS or is this private? You know, do you use private care? That may, uh, I think, that might give you a clear signal on the differences in those two types of people. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly something we could look at in in terms of research, potentially. Yeah, something to think about, you know. Mm. So, um, you know, more mundane questions. How many uh, how many tests can you do? Uh, <laughs> so we've been shrinking it a bit. Um, they, they we we originally, so if you go back 17 years ago, um, our founder um, put. The entire test catalogue for a laboratory online. This this was around about actually the time I qualified as a doctor, um, and he, at the time his his mother was running a, a health screening clinic, and he had this brainwave in in the sort of early days of the internet of hey why why don't we sell these blood tests? Um, so it was the full test catalogue, and I think at, at peak there were probably about two thousand different tests on there. Um, wow. We yeah, it's. I mean, it's a lot, and to be honest with you, it's, it's probably slightly too much that because there there were some really exotic tests within there, which um, which had the potential to cause confusion. So we we've been um, sort of pruning our test catalogue down to be um, the, the things that that people are really going to get useful information out of. So you know, it's it's not going to be a test that's that's going to cause them confusion. Um, it's going to be a test that we have the expertise within our reporting team to handle. Um, and they will, will get useful, actionable insights out of it at the end of it. I don't get me wrong. We still, you know, we still um, provide several hundred different tests. And there, there are people who will have a very specific health question that they want to answer. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen quite a few sort of rare and easily missed conditions picked up by by people choosing to test themselves over the years um so we don't we, we, we don't want to restrict the catalog too much yeah have you guinea pigged yourself and uh, done like every test imaginable have you tried that i'm, I'm sorry well, on me yeah uh, <laughs> no i don't actually 
uh, personally. I mean, I, you know, my, my, my health is, is pretty good. I think my, my major issues, my vitamin D tends to, to run very low. Um, so sometimes I will, I will test to confirm that. Um, I, I, I'm quite sedentary in my working life. So I'm becoming progressively more kind of chair shaped as I get older. Um, and yeah. I, I like to keep an eye on my cholesterol and HbA1c levels. Um, I'm 45, so I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by testosterone levels, etc. They, they can start to decline as, as men get a bit older. Um, but I, I, I don't test everything myself. I, I, you know, I've met a lot of people. It's interesting you talking about biohackers earlier. I, um, I was lucky enough to go to the Strata RX conference when it was running um, in the States. I met, um, oh, I can't remember her name now, so a professor from, I think it was MIT, and she was kind of one of the first the first biohackers and trackers, and she'd pretty much hacked together her own monitoring equipment for keeping an eye on blood pressure and, and um, blood markers. And for her, so she, she had a real incentive to want to test, which was she, she just kept getting really, really ill um, for hours to days at a time and finally narrowed it down to, um, is to eating actually tomatoes and other members of that plant family, which are interestingly the, um, the deadly nightshade family. Um, so for her, there was a motivation to test absolutely everything because there was this unanswered health question. For me, I I kind of test what I think needs testing. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what's uh what's the future of this for you? What do you hope to accomplish in the next year or maybe the next five years? What's your like, your dream? So well, I mean, I've mentioned the AI augmentation of of reporting. That that's definitely in there. Um, I want to start partnering with the NHS to provide. Um, services, be it um, at-home blood testing for people who it's difficult to get out or get to a phlebotomy clinic. Um, there's, we have this NHS health check program here where um, people are offered a cholesterol, HbA1c and a blood pressure test. That would be brilliant to work with the NHS on. Um, I would like to, to move from our reporting portal being something that, that people can use to track their their results to to something they can use to guide healthy behaviors so you know part of that will obviously be reviewing your blood results but actually we can we can tailor advice to the individual based upon the blood results and the lifestyle behaviors that they've told us about, what yeah, about uh, that's one thing i forgot to ask you what about all the data do you uh pseudonymize mm-hmm. it and look at trends in the aggregate are you seeing any of that kind of stuff yes we are so we, we we're um I mean, in uh, terms of conditions, we, we we ask people if we can use it for research. Um, and internally, we, we've been very interested in the effects of diet. So we were looking at uh, what effects a vegan vegan diet um, has upon biomarkers. Um, and Helen Marsden, our, 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 one of our founders, is, um, is vegan herself. So we, as a company, have a, a particular interest in this. Um, and we found that for vegans... Uh, they are less likely to have a, a high HbA1c level, so they're a little bit less likely to be diabetic. Um, they do a brilliant job of keeping their iron, their vitamin D at healthy levels. Um, but B, vitamin B12, which you can really only get through through essentially animal sources in the diet, um, tends to run low. So that, that's one example of, of research that we've been doing. We also partner um, with organisations to to run research and um We've got uh, Dr. Daniel Grant, one of our doctors, has been working with Watford Football Club, um, actually looking at, at, at men with a similar health issue to me, which is sort of, you know, middle age, getting a little bit more overweight. And they use football to try and motivate them to, um, 
to get fitter. But then we looked at the effect of uh, monitoring biomarkers um, on that and, and whether um, they, they had better results or not. So yeah, we, we've got a real interest in research. There's a, there's a couple of other things we've got bubbling, which I, I can't talk about yet, uh, which I'm really excited about on the research front. Are you seeing any uh, aggregate trends in people's blood work over the years? Um, through monitoring it, with, with us. So at, at an individual level, it's a statistically, I'm on, I'm on shaky ground here, um, but we do, so, so where people join the service and we find an abnormality, uh, usually, I mean, it's really sort of uh, vitamin levels, nutrient levels that we were looking at. They are, they revert um, to normal levels if, if they monitor with us. There's a trend towards that. Now, a statistician would argue that's regression to the mean. So it's a, it's a little bit hard to uh, to be confident about that finding. But it, I mean, I, I was quite struck by it in the data when I looked at it and it's an area that I uh, I want to once I can find a, a powerful statistician I want to do some more work on yeah I mean you can also uh, help test the efficacy of various vitamins and supplements you know mm. you could partner with a supplement company and say all right we're going to test your you know vitamin b12 supplement see if it really yeah. reflects in the serum levels of people over a, a one month course so it's so a good assist in doing uh, these trials. We are we're getting some interest about that. In fact, so um, yeah, it's interesting you raise that. There are, I mean, that's something I don't, I don't know how it is in the states. Here, over the past one to two years, we've we've seen the the multivitamin industry being disrupted, which I I, I never imagined would be a thing. But there are um, sort of internet-based multivitamin suppliers now um, who are, and they're a lot more open-minded to doing that. If you look back at the you know the, the kind of old box on shelf type multivitamin sellers. I I don't get the impression that there was a lot of research into um, whether they they genuinely help to raise levels or make people feel better. But with the new breed, we have been getting people asking us um, about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, these are the things that come to mind. But um, I guess you're in a good place to uh, to work with a lot of uh, different companies and organizations. Mm. Should, they, uh, should they be wise enough to do so? You know? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that that is, we, we're almost a bit spoiled on that front. It's, it's really hard to to know which projects to to follow because there's a danger we just overload ourselves with trying to do absolutely everything. And there, there's so many exciting uh, proposals out there um, that, yeah, we have to pick and choose a bit where we, we choose to focus our energies. Do you, uh, yeah, last question to you. Do you know anything about the uh, the Theranos scandal? For, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was waiting I, for I that you, question. You'd have a funny, uh, you'd have a funny perspective, like the ridiculousness <laughs> of what uh, what was proposed. You'd probably know intimately, you know. So, well, you know, I, I mean, that, that's the thing. I can remember, I, I remember the buzz around Theranos, and looking at it and think, thinking from a statistical perspective. That, that that's fundamentally impossible that, that that you can get that level of precision with a tiny volume of blood because as you shrink the sample size and you try to extract uh, more markers from it that the level of uncertainty around each measurement just just goes up and up so it's you know it, it was it was a fantastic kind of wizard of oz act they, that they had going there um but i think there you know there were a lot of people looking on and just thinking that cannot work that, that's that's magic that's the only way you can do it um so I, I want to very quickly follow that up with a reassurance that we are not doing any kind of custom technology for that. We actually use um, it's pediatric blood tubes, pediatric capillary um, blood samplers. Um, so these are sort of tried and tested methods for blood sampling. 
uh, the volume of, of sample we need is, is larger than, than than Theranos we're using. And we, we're really careful yeah. about making sure we've got the volumes we need. So the, the laboratories we use use um, sort of latest generation Roche analyzers, um, which are you know very sort of industry standard. Um, but yeah, Ther- Theranos was, was fascinating. I loved the book, the Bad Blood book. Um, yeah, I read it. It was pretty good. Yeah. The, the, there's just a the, the beautiful description there of this this crazy gadget they'd created with a little robotic arm in it that was sort of trying to miniaturize a um, a path lab. Um, so yeah, we, yeah. I, we, I, I didn't think not... for a moment that I didn't think for a moment that you would do that stuff. I just thought that <laughs> you'd have an interesting perspective because of the mm. you know, like being in the industry you're in. You more than almost anybody would know how ridiculous. The premise was with with mm. you know one or two drops of blood to do like hundreds of tests like i've done it it's like eight tubes did, of you, blood you know for like a hundred tests so yeah there's no way you're gonna do it with a few drops you can't and it is i mean you're you're, you're battling um you're, you're battling entropy you're battling statistics when you do that and you you kind of hit a point that you a, a volume that you can't go below and and rely on getting an accurate measure um but yeah, it was a fascinating story, the Therados one. I, I, um, I'm looking forward to the movies when they come out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, very good. So, so what, what's the best way? Oh, yeah. Do people only have to live in the UK to get your service? Um, is it, so, if they live in the US, is it advantageous for them to do it? Or is it just Europe that you serve? So US, we are, we're not in. Um, I, I certainly would love to see us um, develop a US-based service. So we we are in the United Kingdom. Um, we do have some products that will be launching in the Republic of Ireland soon, um, and we are we are certainly interested in in growing our, our presence globally. Okay. And what's the best way for uh, you know customers to get in touch and see what tests you have and uh, what they can do? The t- simplest way is, is um, visit www.medichecks.com. Um, which is the, the address you gave out at the start. And we've got, so all of the, the tests that we provide are on there. Um, yeah, that's that's probably the, the, the first place to start. The, the other thing we do, which um, many of our competitors don't, is we actually have humans at the end of a telephone line who you can call. Our, our customer service team are absolutely amazing. We get brilliant feedback about them on, um, on FIFO, which is a sort of independent feedback platform. Um, so yeah, so if they if they don't want to to use the the web browser, they can also call up and talk to someone at Medichecks. Okay, well very good. Well, Sam, it's been good to talk to you, and uh, you know I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Great. Well, th- thanks very much for having me, Richard. It's it's been a real pleasure talking to you. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells. 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.
We'll be right back. 